0: Hello and welcome to today's MTD podcast. I'm Paul Jones, the Managing Director and founder of MTDCNC.com. And today I have the pleasure of being at a company uh, called Printing Portal. I'm with James Hawkins, who is the uh, the owner of this business, um, a company that was founded uh, a few years ago. And as, uh, as as it suggests in the name, is a specialist in 3D printing. Um, James, welcome to today's podcast. Firstly, it um, be good to get a little bit about your background and your history and what, what sort of took you into um, into starting this company? Sure, thanks, Paul. So, um, it, I mean, you, no one would connect me, I think,
1: with uh, 3D printing maybe eight years ago. Uh, I was in a bank um, working on a fairly bland product, should I say, uh, in the money, money market fund industry. Um, lo- lovely guys, uh, lovely place. But for me, I needed something a little bit more uh, tangible. and. Um, when I had a friend of mine who was a uh, he still is a in, industrial designer, we chewed the fat for many hours about three uh, d printing and its possibilities, its capabilities. Um of course, there was a bit of hype back then uh, about three d printing. It was in the in the press quite a lot. um and I rolled with it. I, you know I did a bit of research and figured actually this this is a technology that I think can can really
0: change the way that we um, get parts made. And that's what's going to be um, great to tune into on this podcast. We're going to find out about your company, the types of parts that you're making. But of course, what you've learned along this journey as well, the technology that you've invested in and and why. And I think I'd probably start there because for a company like yourself, specialists in 3D printing, you need pretty specialist equipment. So what did you procure? We do. um, I mean, we, so we, began
1: our journey on SLA machines so cheap desktop machines Um, and although they gave us a nice surface finish they were quite brittle and you couldn't really use them
0: in a production setting so for those that don't know what would SLA mean what would what what's the delivery of the finished product come from so um, SLA is a
1: uh, process where a laser um, cures a photopolymer in a vat so it's a photopolymer um, liquid resin and uh the laser will cure it into a position um and then each each layer is either peeled off or um and then the the the, the build platform is lowered uh into uh, and for the next for ready for the next layer now um yeah i mean it's it's great for as i said maybe uh, mold making so we'd use um a print a positive part finish it off uh, make a silicon mold which was great for uh, pouring in polyurethane of of different materials with different characteristics um, but that's quite a long process and and, and and manually intensive. Is it quite a hobbyist's technology as well? It, it is, yeah. You'd say you'd say it's it, it is and it isn't. I mean, for the dental industry, it's massive, um, and um, there are other industries out there that use that technology. Um, you know, pretty affordable,
0: lower cost. It can be, but there are
1: larger machines, of course. SLA. There are larger SLA machines which um, do the same job, but um, with better material sets. To be honest with you um but for us, you know we it was a great starting point, but in order to really get into that production and start you know hammering out large mark uh, parts um in a in a small period of time uh we needed a different technology and that's where we came to h p s multi jet
0: fusion. Well, let, let's explore that then, because um, without the want to try and give you more competition by people going out there buying these multi-jet fusions, which I'm sure, in fact, wouldn't be a problem to you because you, you've got that entrepreneurial flair anyway to succeed. But what? tell us what that technology is about and what the differences are. Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll
1: talk to your first point in the sense that um, I'm, I wouldn't be worried because it, it is quite a, um, an investment. There's It's not just on the capital side, but on the educational side, you need a lot of um, CAD skills um, and and other ancillary um, machines to really get the best out of the MGF machines. Um, uh, not saying that as a standalone product, you can get some good parts of it, but there is a, a strong need for the service bureau um, industry in, in 3D printing. I think, to begin with, They're great for helping people understand the 3D printing process um, in its entirety. So people who are probably entering or or trying to think about entering into the 3D printing market or using 3D printing products, it's best for them to typically go to service bureaus first because we're the guys that will give them all the information and say, right, well, this is the best um, technology for you, this is the best material for you, this is the best finish for you. Um, and then beyond that, once they 've got that you know education they 'll probably look at buying their own machines no, no doubt depending on on the volume that they're they 're looking at
0: but that mjf technology is it geared around the, the application you know what what does that specific technology give you better results with how how does it work so
1: i mean so how it works so um, multi jet fusion being different from um, SLS, which I think is probably its per- closest comparable. Um, they are both powder, powder-based materials, um, they um, differ in the fact that a multi-jet fusion uses uh, a lot of HP's proprietary knowledge on, on um, material jetting. So uh, they have a, a, a jets which allow uh, you to deposit small amounts of uh, H- fusing agents in a specific location. Um, compare that to SLS which uses a laser to melt um, parts into position. For me, um, I prefer the MJF solution because it was actually very quick. Um, We can, we can provide uh, full builds in 16 hours, no matter what, you know, no matter how dense the parts are, um, how many parts you have in a build. If you have a full build, it's going to be around 16 hours SLS. If you have lots of small parts, you've got a laser that has to follow those patterns, um, in on each layer, which. Will add up in your time, so you know, there's a there's a difference
0: in that. And that's what about the quality of the component though that comes off as well? Is there any way that that differs? I think they're both they're both good quality. To be honest with you, on both the, the FLS, this Jeff.
1: So so for me, um, the the M J F is um, supposedly more isotropic. So in that sense, you know, you're you have strength throughout the part and the X, Y, and Z that maybe you don't have so much in the Z value, especially compared to an F D M. Parts. Um, we know this. We've, we've printed lots of parts now, and uh, the the MJF parts are, are extremely strong um, in in the in in most orientations.
0: And what the technology allows you to do here is is to continually run your HP machines, doesn't it? You can run them twenty four hours a day, which you've recently been doing.
1: It it does. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt, but we um, we had a particular project which now uh, enabled us or required us, I should say, to print seven days a week, twenty four seven. Um, and with our particular setup where we have uh, build units, and that, and I guess that's a different com- comparable with the SLS, is that these build units actually go out of the machine into a specially designed post-processing machine, which is really easy for us um, to, u- to use um, and swap out. So what that enabled us to do when we had a particularly busy patch um, at the end of last year, start of this year, was to... Um, uh, Uh, extract a build unit at 6am, run a build that had been prepped and ready to go, the build units for the day. Uh, When that build unit was finished, we'd extract it by 7pm
0: and then get the next build going. So it was a continuous cycle. I mean, a couple of the things that that we've learned in, in recent times about 3D printing, some of the barriers to entry have been things like the cooling off of parts, um, you know the, the cleaning of components, but you've eliminated some of those issues with your setup, haven't you, as well with Matsura and HP? That's right. So I mean, we we were very fortunate for a
1: long period of time um, with our supplier Matsura. They they um, helped us um, get over a bit of a hurdle with the post processing, um, but during that time we realized that there needed to be an investment to get this in-house um, because we were losing lead you know days and in, in our lead times from sending parts off to be uh, post-processed so it was not ideal solution for us. Um, we uh, invested in the Dimension um, suit of products which um, are uh, three machines which allow us to de-powder our, mach- our parts and um, blast them originally um then we allow them well, then we have the capability to dye them in house. Um and if customers would like we can we can also polish them with the uh PolyShot S. So what this really does is get us to a position whereby we are as close as we possibly can be to injection moulding um before we go on to um vapor fusing, which is the sort of, in my mind, is the the last leg in the post post-proce- processing process, <laughs> I should say, a bit of a tongue twister, um, uh, which would seal parts and allow them to be used in um, aerospace settings and uh, be be
0: more, uh, let's say, uh, f- food friendly. Because that's the hurdle to overcome, isn't it? Once you once you're able to supply into those sectors, the game changes completely. It is. I mean, I think you've always, you've always got a. whenever I make an
1: investment, it's always with the customers in mind, you know, what is it they want? Um, so we know that, you know, 80% of our, of our customers are having parts died. Um, so to have a, a proper solution there is, is, is really critical for our operations. Um, uh, to have that in house is, is, is the best, is the best solution to, uh, going forward. So, um, You know, if if we were to, um, if we if our our future investment it will be uh, on the lines of uh, vapor fusing.
0: And what would that vapor fusing do then? So so,
1: as you as you sort of touched on just a second ago, it allows us to go into markets which we're we're currently, I would say, not quite ready to go into. Um, We do do parts for them, but. You know, if your if your customer is operating in a, um, a cleaning ro- a clean room, um, they can't have any powder on their parts whatsoever. With a vapor fusing technology, what you're doing is you're effectively sealing your parts so that there's no powder uh, possible to come off to come off the into their clean room. Which you know, for
0: those guys, is is pretty mission critical. And so, if you looked at it and just to try to put a number on it, if there was a you know a hundred products to be made around the world at the moment four or five can be 3D printed and say 95 can't because of the reasons we touched on. By having these technologies advancing like they are, in a few years' time, do you think that, you know, that ratio might be up to 50%, 50 out of 100 components can be made because, you know, they can now fly on aircraft, they can now go into the in, into the food industry, they can be used in conjunction with medical products. Is Is this really where your entrepreneurial flair is looking to grow this company
1: Uh, uh, absolutely i think um you know it it, it is the end game i mean for 3d printing it it it, it's i think it's pretty much shaken off the prototyping image it had for a long time um it's getting towards that you know in most people's minds uh, a production grade um uh, technology um, but there are certain industries that still require that extra little bit to get there um, but there are i mean you you, you mentioned aerospace there are three d printed parts in in the aerospace, in pains right now it 's already begun people people are um, probably unaware of the fact that 3 that, that d printing has entered these markets, but they they have
0: done so, and they 'll continue to do so but the stringent regulations to overcome but again these are these are being you know, being done at the moment, aren't they? You know, these regulations, some of these comp- the parts, the integrities, the, the accuracies that are needed. These machines are delivering these, James. I, I wanted to just um, ask you another question, which is quite interesting to me, because you mentioned it about production. Where's the split now with the technology that you've got from the volumes of where you would have gone to an injection molding machine previously to... Where you don't need to at the moment you know thousands off hundreds of thousands off what's the yeah i, I guess so i mean it depends where's, on the, where's but... the value where's the where's the best when does the return become better from an injection molding machine compared to a 3d printer
1: very hard to say unless you gave me a part in my hands to look at but i think um you know one of our customers um you, you could say is on the cusp of of, of saying well they didn't their tool up and go injection molding but they haven't done so because they're they're very happy with the level of service. Um, They can get parts on order. So it's a simple, it's a simple phone call sometimes saying, Hey, can we just get another, you know, 40 of these, of these brackets? Um, uh, so. It's the agility it gives your business, isn't it? The agility, the flexibility, you know, we have, we have other customers who have to make very small design changes on, on, on iterations perhaps. So for them, it's, it's, you, you wouldn't talk, you would never tool up. Um, so you're getting into volumes now I mean as I mentioned we, we did about nearly 50,000 clips during um, the March uh, lockdown for the medical industry now you know people would never in a million years think that you could do 50,000 clips in five days um, prior to I think you know 10-20 years ago um, so the industry has moved forward um, I think I think throughput is a big, um, certainly a big um, requirement to catch up and um, take on more parts that would be injection molded. Obviously the other, the other thing is cost, you know, people do look at costs. Um, but I think uh, costs are coming down continuously. They always, they have been for the last 10 years. Um, we know that people always, sometimes get surprised at our, our prices and think actually well we, with these prices
0: why would we tool up and, and I think you've got an advantage um, because you you haven't as you said at the start of this got a, a history or education in 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 machining or general engineering which often clouds your judgment when you look at 3D printing because 3D printing is all about creating a part from scratch and doing it differently isn't it is it you know it, there's no restriction on design It is, and it's,
1: you say that, um, it's sometimes um, because we we do a lot of 3D scanning and reverse engineering. So obviously, we're coming into contact with uh, heritage parts, which, um, you know, have been designed a specific way for uh, CNC machining or casting had to come out of a a pattern of some sort. Um, So we, I do run into it. But even now, we actually have a, a process with our customers where we say, look, you know, we think a different. this design change may improve, well, it will improve, not only the part, but it'll improve the cost of your part because
0: we'll be able to fit more of them in the machine. Could improve the performance of the product, couldn't it? Exactly. The weight, all of these factors which before couldn't be looked at. Exactly. And it's, it's. I
1: mean, even for us, when, we, when we're entering, you know, someone from a different sector comes in to, to chat with us, we have to think about it and go, yeah, well, actually, you know, this, it would make more sense doing it this way around. We we use that experience to then help um, you know all our customers to uh, maximize the efficiency of three D printing.
0: Is there a future at um, printing portal for metallics? Certainly,
1: yeah. So uh, you know our our roadmap will will include three um, D printing in metal uh, in the coming years. Um, I think for the polymer side, we're we're really happy with our product offering. Um, as I mentioned, we we would like to get that um, that final finish on on the parts. Um, and put, uh, you know increase our throughput um, still we have we're actually the only uh, company in the uk that has multi uh, mjf machines uh, as a service bureau um, we're not stopped there. we want to continue to add uh, to that to that throughput um, but yes, metal will be on the uh, is on the project horizon
0: and it's been a pleasure being here today i 've got one final question for you uh, engineering or banking, which is more fun oh, engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the days
1: in banking Um I, I like the people. There's some nice people in, in the city there, but um, just the variety of things that I'd get up to here at Printing Portal and uh, some of the um, unique challenges that come our way, oh, it's, it's, it's engineering hands out.
0: Brilliant. I wish you all the success for the future. Look forward to coming back as well. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, thank you very <laughs> much, James. So that's it for today's MTD podcast, a real education in 3D printing, and what the technology is capable of these days. Uh, keep tuned to our channels uh, for more podcasts. Uh, that's it from me today. I'm here at Printing Portal. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.